Hello, friends. Welcome to Read 'em and Weep. It me, your host, Sammy. And today we have a fun episode. Today we're talking about playing your monster hands fast. Now I'll tell you guys, I'm not a big proponent of slow playing for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, if you listen to this podcast, you know that my strategy involves making a lot of big bets as bluffs. So I need to balance that by betting my monsters big as well. I see a lot of loose aggressives, a lot of lags mess this up all the time, right? They make big ass bets and big ass bluffs with all their air. But then when they finally make a monster hand, they try to trap with it. And it's like, no, dude, everybody's ready to call you light. Like everyone's seen that you're bluffing and making big hands with bullshit. You should just be betting your monster hands. You shouldn't be trapping with them. People will call you down and they mess this up all the time. Number two, the point of poker is not to fool your opponents. The point of poker is to win chips. Now, occasionally these concepts meet the same end, but in a lot of cases they don't, right? Right. The goal of poker is to win chips, not fool your opponents. And and that leads to number three, which is betting your monsters can actually fool your opponents more than slow playing. When you slow play and then you spring the trap on the turn of the river, a lot of the times your opponents are like, oh shit, I was being trapped. Um, I played this hand just the other day. Like I had queen 10 suited. I opened it up, got a couple callers. And it comes ace-queen-ten, so I flop bottom two pair. Uh, It also had two spades on the flop. So checks to me, and I bet. And only the big blind, who had let off with a check, he calls. The turn comes, a low blank. He checks, and now I bet the turn big, and now he check-raises big. And I just throw my hand away. Because it's like, dude, that's a trap all day. Like, there's no way this guy was turning a pair and a gutter into a bluff or two small spades into a bluff to check raise on the turn. Like not, not a chance, right? He would have done that on the flop. I think if he wanted to do that and lo and behold, he starts bemoaning his luck and he flips over King Jack, right? He flopped the nuts. And it's like, if he had just check raised on the flop and played his hand fast, I probably would have given him more action just because it feels less like a trap when he's doing that. So it all comes down to this. There are three reasons to make a bet in No Limit Hold'em. A, to get a worse hand to call, aka value. Two, to get a better hand to fold, aka a bluff. And D, to get opponents to fall out their equity share. You know, a lot of people would kind of put the equity share into the into the value betting, and, and we won't really get into the semantics of that, but a good example of getting opponents to fold out an equity share would be, say you're in a three-way pot and you have 6-5 on the button, and the flop comes 7-5 deuce and both players check to you. Well, you don't really have much, right? You have middle pair with a with a shit kicker. But a lot of times you might want to bet here because you want to protect the equity of your hand and get the other players to fold out their equity share, right? When both of them, including the original Razor check, a lot of times they both have missed over cards. And so any over card that comes can hit one of their two ranges. So you might want to bet just to get them to fold out their over card equity. But I'll say this, a lot of players are too concerned with protecting their equity. They're driven by fear. They're constantly afraid of getting sucked out on. Uh, There's this regular at the California Grand who, I mean, just without fail, she always makes these big ass over bets when she has over pairs. Like it'll be a multi-way pot and the flop will come like 10, 9, 7. And she'll just bet 200 into 100. Everybody folds and she proudly shows her kings. And she'll be like, oh, there's a lot of draws. I I didn't want to get drawn out on. And it's like, you wasted the value of your hand, right? Because you were scared of people drawing out on you. Like, you basically turned your hand into three deuce. Like, it didn't even matter that you had kings. 
Yeah, it, it's just like getting drawn out on is is part of poker, and being too concerned with your with protecting your equity, I think can get you in a lot of trouble. Like if you just stick mainly to the ideas of getting worse hands to call or better hands to fold, you'll simplify things and be in a much better spot. And I'll say this, it affects things on the flip side too, concerning what we're talking about today. Sometimes when people make monster hands, they don't bet them because they can't get drawn out on. Like you flop a monster and your first inclination is to check so nobody knows you have a monster. But in a lot of cases, something disastrous happens. No money goes in the pot in that street. And because of the geometric nature of pot growth, having a street where no chips go in can really affect the final pot size in a big way. So my advice is bet your monsters. Now, obviously, there's some exceptions, like say you got pocket kings on a king deuce deuce rainbow. In that case, there's not really that much anyone can have unless it's like a rare deuce. And if they do, you'll probably get a lot of money in anyway. But if there's a flop where there are a number of worse hands that would have called a bet, you should just bet, like get those damn chips in the pot. So anyways, today's hands all happened last week, and I think they illustrate the power of betting your big hands and also the perils of not doing so. Let's get into it. Okay, let's start with hand one. We're playing 235 at the California Grand Casino, and I open to 20 with pocket sixes in middle position, and I get two callers. The main villain on the button, who's this action player, he's very loose, uh, he's got like 650 in front of him, and the big blind also calls. So we go three ways to a flop, and we freaking flop quads. Six, six, eight with two diamonds. So we just straight up flop quadzilla. Our little weenus starts tingling under the table. The big blind checks to me, and I decide to bet. So I bet 35 because there are actually a number of hands on this board, six, six, eight with two diamonds that can call me. There are 8x. There's all sorts of straight draws, right? Seven, five, and seven, nine, and nine, ten. There are some pairs that pocket fives, pocket fours that might call pocket sevens. And then there's also two diamond hands. So there's a lot of hands on this board that can call a bet. Now, when I bet, do I get a lot of folds sometimes? Yeah. I mean, people will fold out, but what I'm really trying to do is build a pot. And so I bet 35 into 60 and the button of course gives me some action and he calls the big blind folds. So we go to a turn, and I'm hoping that the turn comes a diamond. And, uh, well, the poker gods are good to me today because the ace of diamonds comes. And now I'm just sitting here hoping that this guy's made a flush. So there's about 130 in the pot. Again, it's 668 with two diamonds. And then the ace of diamonds falls on the turn. We flopped quads with our pocket sixes. And now I make a pretty big bet. I bet 100 into 130. He thinks about it for a while, and I'm hoping he raises, but he ends up just calling. You know, which is way better than fold. Like, we'll take it. And then we go to the river, and the river's a pretty big blank. It's an offsuit four. Obviously, something like seven five just made a straight, but I don't expect him to continue with that hand on the turn. So there's about 330 in the pot, and he's got a little under 500 left. And now sizing is my only question. I can bet small to try to get value from some of his non-believing underpairs. But in the end, I just try to go for max value, hoping that he has a hand like ace-8 for top two pair, or he's got diamonds he just can't let go of. So I jam for about 500 into 330, and he thinks about it, and he thinks about it, and he ends up making the call. We show him our quads, and he 
you know, starts grumbling and shows a flush. Uh, it wasn't the nut flush. I don't remember what flush it was, but it was like a medium flush. He shows the flush and we stack his ass. Hallelujah. Now I'm sure you're thinking, well, whoop de fucking do, Sammy. You uh, made quads against a flush and you stacked a guy with a little over 100 big blinds. Like, big deal. And you're you're absolutely right. doesn't take a genius to do this, but I will say this is a pretty easy spot to screw up. Like, just imagine an alternate reality where I flop quads and I'm like, oh shit, I check. And this guy, he's really kind of loose and passive. So even with a flush draw on this flop, he might check back. And now we have $60 in the pot going to the turn. It's really hard to get all in, right? There's still there's still over $600 left behind. And it's really hard to get in 10x the pot over two street. Getting that money in on the flop and starting to build the pot so it grows geometrically so that we can get all in by the river. And, and even this way, I still had to overbet the river to get it all in. So not putting chips in on the flop could have been a, a straight up disaster. So that's just a good hand that that illustrates the the power of betting your monster hands. Okay, cool story, Sammy. Let's get on to hand two. All right, hand two. We are again playing two three five at the California Grand Casino. There's a limper in early position. Middle position opens to 25. The hijack calls. I call on the button with pocket nines, and then the original limper check calls. So we end up going four ways to a flop. I have pocket nines on the button, and the flop comes king, nine, eight, all diamonds. So we flop middle set with our pocket nines, and it's king, nine, eight, all diamonds. Everybody checks to me, and obviously I think we're betting here. right? We have middle set. And obviously, there's quite a few hands, uh, both pair-wise and draw-wise, that can give us action here. So we bet, and I bet 40 into 100. I think I could go larger here, but I bet 40 into 100, and only the original limp caller, the guy who limp called in early position, he calls my bet. So the turn now comes a beautiful card. It's an offsuit eight, making us nines full. So it's king, nine, eight, all diamonds, and then an eight. So with our pocket nines, we make nines full. He checks to me. And now I bet 80 into 180. And I do like my sizing here because I want to keep in a lot of his hands. Like I do not want him to fold. I want to call, I want him to call with all sorts of diamonds. I want him to stay in there with his King X, um, even a hand like Jack 10 with a diamond somewhere that has an okay straight draw and an okay flush draw. I don't want to price these hands out with a big bet. So I bet 80 into 180, and he actually calls pretty quickly. So we like that a lot. We end up going to the river, and now there's 340 in the pot. So that's really good. We have, you know, like eight 900 behind. So the river comes in offsuit seven. So it's king, nine, eight, all diamonds, then another eight, then an offsuit seven. He checks again, and obviously he can't be that strong here. He's just check called, check called, and now he's checked the river. And so again, just like in hand one, my real question here is sizing. And I decide to go really big here. I bet 450 into 340. And the reason I do this is because I want to be polarized. I realize I've used this term quite a bit on the podcast and a lot of you guys understand what it means. But if you don't, polarized just means that there's no middle strength hands when you make this bet. 
there's either really, really good hands or jack shit. There's no like medium strength hands. I, I wouldn't be betting like a pair of kings, like king queen for this sizing. When you make a really big bet, generally you're just saying, I either have a great hand or I have nothing. And in this situation, I want to be polarized because I will be betting a lot of my nothing. You know, with my bluffs, I want to be making big bets and and trying to get the other guy to fold out his hand. And when I have something good, I want to put his medium strength hands, specifically his King X, in a really tough spot. So I bet 450 into 340, and he goes into the tank and he's muttering to himself and he's just like, man, it's just, why do you bet so big? Like, why do you bet so big? It seems so bluffy, you know? And he ends up calling. He ends up calling and I show him the full house. And he just shakes his head. He flashes me a king and he folds his hand. So did I play this hand well? I think overall I did. And again, I don't think it was a real tough hand to play well. I think it kind of played itself. But the point I wanted to make with this hand is that I continued betting on the turn, even though I made an unbeatable hand. And the reason that's so important is that if I check back, the pot remains so small on the river. It's really tough to make that $450 bet because, you know, the the pot isn't even close to that size. So continuing to bet, even though you have a lock hand, again, the goal isn't to fool your opponent into thinking, oh, this guy doesn't have much. The goal is to get in money when you have a really good hand. We did that in this hand. Obama putting a medal on himself, dot meme for me. Okay, so I did two hands. Uh, They're very quick hands. So of course I'm throwing a bonus hand in and it is going to be kind of a doozy. It's hand three. I played it really shitty. Let's talk about it. All right, throw me a freaking bonus hand here. So I had a really good week of poker last week. I felt like I played really, really well. You know, it's not that often where you have all these sessions and you're just like, man, I played super good. But this one hand, this hand I'm about to tell you is one that I did misplay, and it's been haunting me the entire week. And it comes from Stones Casino. So I was trying to play the 2-5 up at Stones, but it didn't come together. So I was playing 1-3, which basically plays like a 3-5, especially because we were straddling all night. So this hand is 1-3-6. So there's a limp for 6, and then this action player in middle position raises to 35, and now it's on me on the button, And I have nine, seven of clubs suited one gapper. I never met a suited one gapper. I didn't like, I call on the button, the big blind cold calls and the limper calls. So we go four ways to a flop. I have nine, seven of clubs. I'm on the button and we flop a goddamn flush. You guys queen six, four, all clubs. We have nine, seven of clubs. The poker gods are good. And it goes check, check. And things get even better when the original razor, the action player Bets 100. Now, we're all pretty deep. We are, I think, at least 1,500 deep at this point. The Razor bets 100, and I think both calling and raising have merit. Against this particular villain, I think a call is probably a little bit better because he has such a a proclivity to blast off. And so I want to give him one chance to blast off. Also, I'm in position. And the nice thing about being in position is a bet can always go in, right? If he checks, I can still bet. Whereas if you try to trap out of position, if you check, the guy can check behind and it can totally blow the size of the pot. So I decide to give him a little rope and I call the hundred. 
Now it gets to the big blind who's let off with a check and he goes into the tank and he's thinking about it. And he's thinking about it. And he finally calls as well. The fourth guy uh, gets out of the way and we go three ways to a turn and it comes the queen of spades pairing the queen. So, you know, I was sitting here on the flop and I'm like, okay, no club, don't pair the board. No club, don't pair the board. Well, of course, I paired the goddamn board, right? It comes the queen of spades, not so bad. And we get more good news in that the big blind checks and now the original razor checks. So it gets to us and there's about 440 in the pot. And I decide to check behind. And I think the reason is, is the big blind kind of weirded me out on the flop. Like I felt like he was really, he wasn't really considering folding. He was thinking about if he should raise or just call. And I don't know that for sure. It's just kind of the sense I got from him. And now that the board paired, I'm like, shit, like, was this guy trapping with a bigger flush or did he have a set? And now he made a boat. I'm actually going to play a little bit of pot control and disguise the strength of my hand because I still have position on the river. We can still get some money in. And I decide to check behind. The river comes in offsuit seven. And now the big blind, the guy who I thought was trapping, leads for 300 into 440. The action player folds. And it gets back to me. And I think calling is probably the best choice. I think we could consider raising for value. But again, I think it's going to be pretty hard for him to call with worse hands. Right? There's I have the seven and nine of clubs in my hand. The six and the four are on the board. It's hard for him to have a worse flush if he's got a flush. He can have some full houses. And I think if I raise the river, um, his hand's weaker than that probably fold, realizing that they're beat. So I call the 300. And he flips over queen 10 of hearts for top trips. We show our flush and we scoop in the pot. Thousand dollar pot. Okay, cool. Now let's talk about how badly I screwed this damn hand up. Let's imagine an alternate reality where I play my hand not like a goddamn cuck. So the flop comes queen six, four with all clubs. I have seven, nine of clubs. The original razor bets a hundred and I call the hundred and the big blind calls the hundred. Now the queen pairs on the turn and they both check to me. Obviously, I have a really good hand. And if somebody check raises me, we'll deal with it then. But I should be going for value. So I bet 200. Both the big blind who made trips and the original razor both call because the original razor told me after the hand that he had the ace of clubs. So they both call 200. Now the river comes a blank. They both check to me. Now there's 840 in the pot. I bet 500. The guy with trips begrudgingly calls, the other guy folds, and I scoop a big-ass pot. If I just bet my hand like a man, I would have won at least $1,100 after the flop as opposed to the $500 I did win. That's a $600 difference. I'm talking about pot growth, geometric growth of the pot, and I screwed it up, right? I won a much smaller pot on the river than I should have. Did I end up fooling the big blind who thought that his top trips was good? Sure I did, but it didn't matter. I fooled him, but I made less money because I didn't bet my hand. 600 bucks that I missed out on because I just didn't bet my hand like I should have. It's just fucking unbelievable. Like somebody call Elon Musk, get me on a rocket ship so I can fly my SpaceX ass right into the sun. I mean, Jesus, I'm gonna have to tell my damn kids when they grow up that they have to go to community college because daddy didn't bet the turn. It's just so, 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 so bad. And again, I had a great session. Like, I think I ended up pulling in like 1.7K in the session. You know, it would have been so much cooler, 2.3K. It would have been 25% more. Like, these opportunities 
where you're playing against trips and the nut flush draw and you have a made flush, these don't fall out of the tree. These don't happen every day. They don't even happen every week. This was a golden goddamn opportunity. The poker gods just threw me a bone and I didn't take a bite. I just I just screwed the whole thing up. It's just so freaking embarrassing. And again, like I felt like I played so well all week, but I screwed up one of the biggest pots that I played and it ended up costing me a bunch of money. It just sucks. I'm like so, so angry at myself, you guys. It's just so bad. But I'm telling you guys because it really illustrates the peril of not just betting your really good hands. Just bet your goddamn good hands. Uh, I promise I will take my own advice someday and try to not screw this situation up next time. Okay, that's it, you guys. I really, really, really appreciate you guys tuning in. If you have a quick minute, please leave me a rating. Please leave me a review. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast. Like, do it. Be really awesome. I appreciate you guys as always. And again, until next week, play good and run pure.